Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Checkerboard Chat. I'm Tyler Wommels, that's Tamako Cole, and we're back bringing you some more Tennessee Athletics news, updates, and whatever we want to talk about. So just starting off this episode, obviously we do have a lot to talk about here, DeMichael. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, everyone knows the news by now. Butch Jones is out as Tennessee's football coach. You know, he was relieved of his duties by Athletic Director John Curry on Sunday. Brady Hoke is the team's interim head coach. He will coach the last two games of the regular season, um, you know, the last three if they make a bowl game. Um, just DeMichael just, you know, kicking us off here a little bit. What are your main just sort of thoughts right now on Butch Jones firing and what Brady Hoke brings to the table as interim head coach? Well, I mean, what, there's two games left in the regular season and Curry finally decided to pull the trigger. And, I mean, I was a little surprised at this point after, I mean, you had the Georgia game, the Alabama game. Florida probably wasn't a firing situation, but yeah. Kentucky – all of those games and that Sunday, the next Sunday, people were waiting to see, would this be the week? Would this be the week? And it never was the week. And then finally after Missouri, it happened. I wasn't expecting it to happen then. I thought they would wait it out to the end of the season. But, I mean, I guess it was t- it was time. The fan base was definitely ready for it. So Curry definitely had to pull the trigger on that. But Brady Hoke, if you don't know Brady Hoke, he's an energetic guy. He'll definitely bring some energy to this team. And in this type of situation, that's the type of coach that you need. He brings experience. Brady Hoke coached at Michigan, coached at Ball State. Um, I mean, he, he has experience. So he's coached at a big program like Michigan, and he'll bring that experience in his last two games. And hopefully that energy that he brings will rub off on the team and they'll play better because of it. Yeah, for sure, and I think, you know, talking about Brady Hoke, like DeMichael said, he is an energetic guy. Um, You know, you could tell that from his press conferences this week. You know, he is a guy that seems really well-liked by a lot of people he's around. I think it'll be very interesting, you know. Obviously, this Tennessee team has not had much success at all this season. Um, If they win out these last two games, they'll just be 6-6 and on the season, so really the best record they can hope for is a 7-6 and mark, Mm -hmm. which is obviously not what, you know, any fans of the team had hoped for whenever this season started. Um, DeMichael's, I'm just wondering what your take is on this. If Tennessee does make a bowl game, do you think fans will, I don't want to say care about it, but do you think it'll mean much to them, or would they just rather this season be over and just move on to hiring a new coach? I think they'll care about it for the players, for the sole fact that this could be the first um, senior group in Tennessee's history to win four consecutive bowl games. I mean, that'll be pretty big, but... I mean, besides that, as far as, like, everything else, besides the players, no, they they shouldn't care that much. I mean, not shouldn't, but they probably wouldn't, given the fact that there's a coaching search going on right now and everybody's attention is on that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and I mean, you know, obviously Tennessee may get a little bit of help from their name recognition, but I don't know that the Vols would get in a very good bowl game anyways. You know, six and six, I mean, probably not what – They'll the probably yeah, get one of those high-ranked mid-major schools, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, which, I mean, could still turn out for an interesting game, but that's not what fans who, you know, want to see this program, you know, when you're talking about last season, near the end of the regular season, could play in the Sugar Bowl. Right. And now, you know, they don't even know if Tennessee's going to make a bowl game. I think it's interesting. I think it's something that, you know, is definitely a change of pace. But, yeah, um, Butch Jones, you know, he's gone. He's gone as Tennessee's head coach. It's still a little odd to say. Right. You know, former head coach Butch Jones. Um, obviously, you know, we've had heard, you know, some interesting rumors oh, about yeah. this coaching search already. <laughs> I think you, we know the, the, the individual that a lot of people are talking no, about no, is I John think, Gruden. I think you're talking about groomers. The groomers. We have heard rumors. The, we've heard a lot of groomers, <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, just a, a lot of different stuff out there, you yeah. know. Um, just, you know, some some of it may be true, some of it not. But we do have an article on the Daily Beacon right now. It's the Daily Beacon hot board that DeMichael wrote. It's breaking down you know, a lot of different coaches that Tennessee could choose from. Obviously, you have your John Gooden on there, your Chip Kelly, but you also have, you know, guys like Scott Frost and mm-hmm. I think Casey Rogers. Yeah, put him Matt on there. Campbell as well. Yeah, so just, mm-hmm. just make sure you all check that out. It's a, it's a really good read. But, yeah, um, so switching gears a little bit toward this LSU game on Saturday to Michael. Um, obviously, you know, Ed Orgeron is bringing his team to Knoxville. Yeah. We know Ed Orgeron, you know, coached at Tennessee, you know, right. earlier in his career. Um, I, I'm really in- intrigued to see, you know, this matchup of Orgeron and Hope. Because it's not something that, you <laughs> know. Is, you can imagine this just being a wrestling match. Yeah. Just 50-yard <laughs> line right in front of the tee. Hope we might not even see a game play. That's, <laughs> that might be what happens. But, yeah, just um, – and I don't know why it's intriguing me so much. It just is. Yeah. I think, you know – we haven't seen, obviously, a Brady Hope coach I mean, in the C team. We yeah. haven't seen him as a head coach in a few years. How often do you see two defensive line coaches yeah, going exactly. against each other? <laughs> um, so, just, you know, heading into this matchup, DeMichael, what are some of your main focuses heading into this game, and what do you expect to see out of both teams? I think this game is weird, I mean, to say the least, and yeah. you just touched on it a little bit why. I mean, for one, you're going to have two defensive line coaches going at it. And two, ironically enough, Ed Orgeron was in the same situation last season. He was the yeah. interim coach at LSU, and I think he went 6-2 and two to end the season and ended up getting a job. And now Brady Hoke is the interim coach. He's the defensive line coach. Um, they're familiar with each other. Brady Hoke said earlier um, this week that he knows Ed Orgeron personally and things like that. But this game could be real interesting. If you just look at the stats, a lot of stats aren't in Tennessee's favor. I mean, LSU oh. runs the ball well, and Tennessee – Does not defend the run Yeah, well. does not defend the run well. And LSU's quarterback averages over nine yards a pass. I believe he's seventh in the nation yeah. in passing average per attempt. And we all know Tennessee gives up a lot of big plays. Yeah. So the things that LSU are good at, Tennessee really aren't good at. So – I mean, you would just hope, if you're a Tennessee fan, that the Brady Hoke factor, the interim coach factor, it can bring a jolt. And that's the thing that you just can't predict because we see with Florida this year, they got an interim coach in Randy Shannon. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. struggling. But LSU last year, when they got their interim coach, I mean, that team played fired up. So it can go one or two ways. We'll see how it goes for Tennessee. But, I mean, the numbers definitely aren't in their favor. But no. sometimes you can't predict these situations. Yeah, and I think um – and I'm not really well acquainted with, you know, what type of offenses or whatever Brady Hoke likes to run. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't imagine him making drastic changes, obviously, right, just yeah. with a few games left. But I think it will be, like you said, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how will, you know, what will Brady Hoke do? You know, he mentioned mm-hmm. in his press conferences this week, you know, he he will make some tweaks. He wasn't really specific in, you know, is that going to be more in, like, practices? Is it going to be more in, you know, play calling the way? You know, right, he mentioned yeah. that Larry Scott, the offensive coordinator, will be going down from the box to the sidelines now in coaching. And uh, Brady Hope did say he will wear a headset, which is a change. <laughs> but um, I think it'll just be, you know, really interesting to see, you know, what how this offense and this defense will change mm-hmm. with Hoke there, you know, was – um, a lot of people like to, you know, really rag on Butch Jones and say, oh, he doesn't, you know, he didn't know how to coach the game. Obviously, I think sometimes people do forget that the offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, yeah. all the ones calling plays. But it was ultimately the – it is usually ultimately the head coaches. You know, it's his defense and his offense. Right, yeah. So I think it will be interesting to see what Hoke does with that. You know, does he make drastic changes because it's just a few games left or, you know, um, or does he just sort of – 
um, brought it out, but we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, just talking a little bit about this, you know, Tennessee run defense. Mm. It's been brutal. Yeah, it's, it's been brutal. It's been a lot of holes in that defense, right, so and, far. Yeah. And LSU has a guy that can create yeah. holes himself. Yeah, in, in Darius possibly top guys. ten pick. Yeah, but um, that's an interesting matchup right there. And I mean, we'll see how Tennessee defense plays against him. I mean, Geis was banged up a lot earlier in the season. Then he ran for over 250 yards a couple weeks yeah. ago against Ole Miss and I believe became the first back in SEC history to run for over 250 yards um, in four different games. I mean, that includes, you know, Bo Jackson, yeah. Herschel Walker. Some of the greatest. Some of the great guys yeah. that have come through the SEC. He's the only one, and ironically enough, Tennessee gives up a lot of rushing yards. Yeah. And we've seen them give up a lot of rushing yards, even against a Missouri team last week that wanted to throw the ball, quite frankly. But, I mean, the run was there. So, like I said earlier, sometimes you get that energy bolt mm-hmm, and yeah. you play better. But we'll see, man. That's definitely numbers not in Tennessee's favor. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you that. And just talking a little bit now about, you know, LSU's quarterback situation mm-hmm. – yeah. Um. You know, we were discussing a little bit before this podcast. You know, Danny Etling obviously is a guy that has started for them this season. Um. Like you said, you know, I think he's sort of he's been okay. Yeah. Not like a game manager. Yeah. Not like mm-hmm. a standout guy. But when you have a guy like Goss back there, yeah. you don't really need to be. You know, that throw for four hundred yards a game. You know, yeah. throw for you know thirty touchdowns. Um. Just what have you seen? Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah. Like what you've seen out of him, and what do you think? Do you think he'll cause you know Tennessee any problems on Saturday? I think Danny Edlin does just enough. Okay. He's that kind of a guy. He's not going to win you the game, but he'll do enough to not lose you the game. Okay. I mean, I call him a game manager, but if you look at the last game against Arkansas, I believe it was, he hit um, their their big play wide receiver, DJ Shark, for two long touchdown yeah. passes. Yeah. And that's all they ask of him. I mean, when they throw the ball, they throw it, like I said, for over nine and a half yards. They're seventh in the nation. So they like to, you know, set you up with that run and try to get some of those big plays downfield. And that's all they ask of him. I mean, he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. I believe he has two interceptions this year, the whole season. And so he's not going to make a lot of mistakes. And he's he's a game manager, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so just um, real quick, DeMichael, just looking at, you know, more of this – I'm going to talk about, you know, Tennessee's quarterback situation really quick before we switch gears. Obviously, you know – we're not exactly sure who's going to play quarterback <laughs> no, we're not. on Saturday. And that's, I think that's – I was thinking about that today, and, you know, it's almost sort of crazy. You're talking about Quentin Dormany and Jared Garantano, yeah, the two yeah. guys, and Will McBride, you know, was treated as that th- you know that third-string guy. Gonna no shirt. one really paid attention. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of people said, you know, he'll never play and never take a snap at Tennessee. And now people are saying he and Jared Garantano, like people don't know yeah, who's going to Yeah, it's a start. controversy. Yeah. So it's and – and that's not a – and I'm not trying to, you know, rag on these guys, obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a credit to either the way that either of them have played well. It's just sort of the situation that Tennessee's offense has been in where they just need a spark. Yeah. Um, just to Michael, what have you seen from either of them? And, what you know, who do you think will get the first reps? Do you think we could see both of them? Just how do you think that situation's going to go? Yeah, it's really hard to predict because you don't know what Brady Hoke likes. Right. I mean, you know what Bush Jones would have likely started Garantano. Yes. But Brady Hoke may have liked what he saw in that first half from Will McBride against Missouri mm-hmm. because even with a banged-up offensive line, he showed 
I mean, from what I saw, he showed more mobility than Jerry Garantano. He did. He really did. And yeah, and that's, you know, Garantano, before he was named the starter, mm-hmm. that was the thing that a lot of people liked. They were, oh, he's a mobile quarterback. He was one of the top-ranked dual threats For sure. coming out of high school. And Will McBride was a dual threat as well, but I'm, I don't think anybody knew he had the wheels like he showed. No, I didn't. And, I for sure and didn't know. You can't tell me you watched that game and, and you thought you didn't think of a guy like Johnny Menzel God, when he yeah. was running in circles and – running across the field, making plays. And that's what you need when your offense is kind of in shambles right now. Mm-hmm. Personally, I'd go with Will McBride. I would too. Because, I mean, I feel like at home he performed a little bit better. You know, against a defense like LSU, those tight window throws that you're going to have to make, they'll be tough for either quarterback. Yeah. So you're going to need a guy that can freelance around yeah. Quite frankly, because I believe LSU's second in SEC in sacks. Okay. And we know the offensive line situation right now. That's They're banged up. And LSU has pass rushers. They've been getting sacks all season. And Will McGride gives you the best chance of escaping. And we don't even know if Garantano is 100% yet. That's true, yeah. yeah. They've I said, mean, we haven't really given yeah. any injury updates this yeah, week. Yeah, exactly. So for sure. But, yeah, I like, I like how you said that. And I, I, I would go with Will McBride, too. I think – you know, obviously you look at his stats from Missouri game and they weren't very good. Right, you know, yeah, had two don't... interceptions, one touchdown. But I do think that he did display, you know, like Butch Jones said, some moxie, some swagger. Yeah. He did look – he was really mobile. And, I mean, I think he ran for around 50 yards. He was yeah. a guy that, you know, I feel like he did show more. And I think if you saw him behind a good offensive line, mm-hmm. who knows what the guy could do. And I think that's really surprising. Yeah, and it's a weird situation because it's weird. I think if you put a good offensive line behind them, I'd lean more towards Jerry Garantano. Okay. Just because we saw – I mean, if you saw him that first quarter against Southern Miss, yeah. I mean, he looked good. He looked like he was about to play his best game of the season. But, I mean, obviously he got hurt, and he's gotten sacked a lot this yeah, year. he's gotten hit hard. So – I mean, we don't know how he'll play behind a good offensive line. Jared Garantano hasn't been behind one right. all season, but they protected best against Southern Miss in that first mm-hmm. quarter, and he threw the ball really well. Yeah. But we know Will McBride, right now he's still not the most accurate thrower, yeah. I would say. He still has ways to go in that department, but where he's different, where he gives you that different element is his ability when a play breaks down, he can freelance and make yeah. something happen. I mean, we've seen that a lot in, what, one and, one and a half games from yeah. him. So, yeah. Yeah, and I agree with that. But just sort of, you know, switching gears here, we're going to talk a little bit, you know, more about some other sports at UT real quick. Obviously, you know, just starting off, the uh, the Tennessee soccer team, the yeah. Vols are uh, playing tomorrow against Washington State University in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Um, they beat Murray State in the first mm-hmm. round. This is, you know, the first time in years that this team yeah, this is big. Yeah, has been to the NCAA tournament. Obviously, you know, they had an 11 9 and 1 record last season and i think they're like 15 and 4 and 1 or something yeah, like that now there, yeah. so they you know i think Brian Pinsky's squad has had really a huge just you know rebound season um and i think you know a year coming off of when they lost Hannah Wilkinson yeah and you know they lost some key players this year you know they got uh, Katie Cousins back they do have Maya Neal who's really become a standout they have a Khadijah Shaw who's a Juco transfer just to Michael what do you just have to say about this game and mm-hmm. you know just about the Vols chances going into this just throughout the rest of the tournament man I, I think they're in a really good position right now okay I think I'm not gonna say they got lucky but you know the I believe the two seed that they were looking to face was Central Florida okay and Central Florida really good team and that would have been a tough matchup but now Washington State 
defeated them in an upset. So now UT gets Washington State in their favorite. They should win this game, and it sets up for an interesting possible matchup. If they can win, they'd probably have a, another rematch against Florida. And Ooh, if you yeah, watch that game in the regular season, it was a really close game. But, yeah. And I think that's just a tribute to Brian Pinsky's squad. Oh, no and, you doubt know, about it. Because yeah. you're talking about Florida, you know, has always been such a power in, you know, in the NCAA, in, the, in you know, women's soccer. Yeah. And, you know, I remember even last season, Tennessee didn't, you know, always compete well with Florida. You know, it, sometimes it would be a blowout game or something. You know, Florida yeah. was that team, you know, often ranked like number one. Yeah. No in the doubt nation. about it. Yeah, Florida's always had their number. But, I mean, yeah. that game earlier this season, they were tick for tack. Yeah. All the way down to the end. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just a tribute to Brian Pinsky and, you know, what he's done there and just sort of the way this squad has developed. Right. Um, also, the, yeah, the health of Khadijah Shaw will be critical too. For sure. Yeah, we saw um, she went out of their last tournament game with an injury. Um, I'm not sure mm-hmm. what the update is on her, but I don't think they've released really an update. I don't think they have yeah. said. Uh, you know, I would imagine she'd play if but she yeah. can. Yeah, of course. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if it's a concussion, right, they yeah. would hold her out, but – uh, yeah, we'll have to see. But you're out. Right, that is a huge. Um, yeah. They make a huge One impact. One of the top goal scorers in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and she and she's not really built like your typical college player oh, either. Yeah. She's <laughs> she's a built a lot like Hannah Wilkinson. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, like mm. almost like, like a tight end sort yeah. of, a, of a women's college soccer in a way. Um, but yeah, so I, you know we'll we'll have to see what happens with that team um, come Friday. But yeah, that's gonna wrap it up for us today, guys. Thank you for watching. Uh, make sure to stay. On the Daily Beacon website to keep uh, check out all of our coverage of the soccer tournament and then also football this weekend and just all the rest of the sports throughout the year. Um, make sure to you know stay updated with the Daily Beacon Twitter accounts. Um, check us out on Facebook. Follow both of us on Twitter. But that's going to wrap it up. Thank you all for watching, and we'll see you next week with more news, updates, and whatever we want to talk about with Tennessee Athletics.